told you. Uh, but the thing that was just the thought that was going over and over again in my spirit last night and this morning is we serve a God who pursues. He's a God who pursues us. He runs after us. I think sometimes we get in our mind that maybe we've done something in this process. But I want to tell you something, and I don't mean any disrespect, and I'm talking about me as well as anyone else. You're not good enough and you're not smart enough to even think to pursue God. Left to our own devices, every one of us would run wild away from God because we want our own way. The human, human beings, we're, we're, not, we're not just good and polluted by our environment as we grow and therefore we need a Savior. No, no, we are desperately corrupt. It's not our environment that pollutes us. We're born selfish. We're born with a pride problem. The Bible says the sinful nature is something that's ingrained within us. It's, it's just there. We need a Savior. We're not born spiritually alive and then somewhere along the line we mess up and therefore we're spiritually dead. Biblically speaking, we're born spiritually dead and the blood of Jesus makes us alive. It's by grace we're saved through faith. And even that, even that faith, even that ability to say yes, Lord, when he offers his salvation, even that's not of ourselves. Even that's a gift of God, not of works, so that no man can boast. My point being this morning, guys, if it wouldn't have been for God pursuing you, you would have had no hope. You would have had no chance. If it weren't for God still pursuing us, you would still have no hope and you would have no chance. Left to myself, I will insist on doing it my way, and my way is not his. And left to yourself, you will do it your way. And your way is not His. And therefore, all of us are broken in so many ways. And all of us have so many gaps and so many messing places in our spirit. And John chapter 15 is the verse that's just kind of resonating with me this morning. Verse 16 is one of my favorite verses. But it kind of goes along with what I feel like the Holy Spirit has been saying to all of us today. He said, you didn't choose me. This wasn't your idea. You didn't choose me. I didn't choose him. Jesus says, I chose you. You didn't, out of a great amount of choices, a myriad of choices, you didn't pick me out to be your God. I handpicked you to be my child. Nobody else wanted you. The enemy wanted you to abuse you and manipulate you and control you. Other people, whether they mean to or not, generally do the same thing because we're all so broken we're always trying to get what we need and what we want out of the people around us even the people we love so God who needed nothing God who lacked nothing God who's all self-sufficient within and of himself chose to place his love upon you and me he chose to come after us he chose to pursue us. It was God that created Adam and Eve and set them in the garden and gave them everything they could possibly ever desire or want or need. And then when they fell, it was God who came walking in the cool of the day crying out, Adam, where are you? Not because he lacked information about what Adam had done or where Adam was, but because he was pursuing him. He was giving him the opportunity to, to come clean about where he had been and what he had done. He was giving him the opportunity to walk back to him. After Cain had risen up and slain his brother Abel, it was God who came and spoke to Cain. 
And told him that even now, if you'll do right, this sin is crouching at your door and desires to master you. But even now, it was God who pursued Cain. It wasn't Cain who pursued God. Matter of fact, he wound up running from God, but God pursued him. It was God who showed up and told Noah that all mankind, the, the imaginations of their heart are evil continually. It grieves me that I've made man, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he had set to order his family aright. He was righteous in the midst of his generation. I want you to understand, that does not mean that Noah was perfect. It does not mean that Noah had everything right because if you see some of Noah's actions after the ark landed on dry ground, you'll realize Noah had some problems and he had some issues. But it's just the fact that Noah, in the midst of his generation, there was something different about Noah. There was a desire in Noah for righteousness that other people around him didn't have. He may not have got it right all the time, but at least there was a hunger, and, and he found favor, and therefore Noah got the instructions to build the ark, and he was spared, and he and his family in the midst of the flood. It was God who showed up and spoke to Abraham. We don't see any record in the Bible of Abraham or Abram at that time pursuing God at all. Matter of fact, he lived in Ur of the Chaldees. And you can do just a little research in, in biblical history and archaeology, and you'll know real quick that Ur of the Chaldees had idols everywhere. It was one of the most advanced uh, communities of their time, but they were also one of the most idolatrous communities of their time. Everybody in Ur of the Chaldees worshipped idols. They thought there were many, many gods. We have no record of Abram pursuing God, but we do know that God showed up and spoke to Abram. And he said, I'm going to make you uh, one. I'm going to cause the seed to come from you that will be greater than the sand of the seashore or the stars in the sky. And he, he talked to him and he called him to go to a place that he didn't know. And the Bible just says Abram obeyed him. And he going where he didn't know where he's going to wind up. He just obeyed God. And the Bible said God credited that to his account as righteousness because he believed and therefore he obeyed him. And it was God who pursued him. And again and again in Abraham's life when he'd get discouraged because God had made some promises to him and they weren't being fulfilled at the speed that, that Abram and Sarah or Abraham and Sarah later when his name changed wanted it to be uh, performed. It was God who took the initiative and God showed up and he spoke to Abraham and he confirmed his promise. It was God who made a covenant with Abraham. Doesn't say anything about Abraham seeking to make the covenant with God. God cut the covenant with Abraham. And they cut those two pieces of the animal into the, the ancient Eastern covenantal ceremonies, meaning that you would walk in between those two pieces, meaning the same thing happened to me if I don't uphold my end of the, cov of the covenant. And God, in the, in the representative of a burning pot, walked, floated through those two pieces. He made the, the, the covenant with Abraham, but when it was Abraham's turn, he put Abraham to sleep. Because see, Abraham could never keep that covenant, and God knew that. So God held both sides of the covenant that God chose to make with man so that man could be free. And I could go on and on and on and on through the Old Testament and into the New. It was Jesus who showed up walking on the shores of Galilee and said to Peter and Andrew and then later to John and James, come follow me and I'll make you a disciple of men. It doesn't say that they pursued him. It said that Jesus came and showed up in their life and said, come follow me. And here we read Jesus saying to John, through John, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. God still pursues if you've walked with God any amount of time, you've messed up. Somewhere you've messed up. If you've been a Christian for more than probably 10 minutes, you've messed up. Somewhere you allowed your old ways to surface and, 
and your old ideas to surface and your old pride to surface and anger. And somewhere we've messed up and, and yet God doesn't quit. How many times has God showed up in your life through one form or another? Maybe not as dramatic as today, but through one form or another, how many times has God showed up and just reminded you, hey, I love you. Hey, I've got this. Hey, hey, I haven't for, I, I've not changed my mind about you. Hold on. Don't give up. That was the word this morning. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Hold on. God still pursues us. Always in relentless pursuit. One of the greatest, I, I, I touched on it this morning because the Holy Spirit brought it back to my memory. Jesus said that he's the good shepherd of the sheep. He said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But in one of the parables he tells about the shepherd, he said, if there's 99 sheep safe in the fold, a good shepherd leaves those 99 to go after the one that's in danger. And chances are, if this is a real good shepherd, the reason the sheep was in danger had nothing to do with the shepherd. Realize that the shepherd in our story is Jesus, and I guarantee you Jesus didn't mess up. So if the sheep has wandered, it's the fault of the sheep. Amen. And yet Jesus said, I'll still go after you. I'm going to pursue you. There's another scripture that says, He who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said that. He started this thing. And God says, I'm going to finish it. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't choose you so that you could stay broken. He didn't choose you so that you could have all these gaps inside of you where you're never whole. He didn't choose you so that you could just wander through life as if you never really knew him, just hoping that you're going to go to heaven one day when you die. You see, Jesus chose you for a relationship. He didn't tell the disciples, hey, I'm going to write this down and we're going to sign this paper and it's going to say that you're mine, but you can do whatever you want to all the rest of the time. No, he said, I want you to come follow me because you see the life is in the relationship. And therefore, when the relationship begins to dwindle, when the relationship begins to slack off, Jesus starts pursuing because this isn't just about getting you to heaven when you die. If all this was about heaven, the best thing we could all do is die the minute we get saved. Now, that may sound strange and rough to you, but that would be a blessing. Heaven is something to, be, to look forward to, not something to be. I mean, I never understood the attitude of Christians toward heaven. If heaven is everything we say it is and God has done everything, and we really, really, really believe that, that is the greatest blessing you're ever going to have. It, it will be the best day of your life when you go home. We act like we're trying to, I don't want that. No, no, no. That's the best day of your life. But that's not why you got saved, not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to walk in fellowship and communion with Jesus. A lot of Christians wonder today, I got saved so many years ago and yet I haven't really grown and I haven't really... It's because, see, it wasn't about you signing a contract and getting so that you could get to heaven. It was about you having a relationship with Jesus every day of your life. It's the presence of Jesus that changes you. Nothing about you is going to ever change you. 
Coming to church won't necessarily change you. It's the presence of Jesus that you... See, he's pursued you. Now he said, you pursue me. Now if you stop pursuing me, I'll come after you. But he's saying, it would be great if you would just pursue me. See, if you'd run after me every day, every day if you'll run after me, you're going to find my peace. Every day if you'll run after me, you're going to find my wisdom. Every day if you'll run after me, you're going to find transformation. Every day if you'll run after me, you're going to find wholeness and deliverance and peace. He didn't say you're going to have a perfect life because let's just be honest. We are in a fallen world and there is an enemy here and there are going to be problems as long as we live here. Period. End of story. Anybody who preaches any other gospel to you is trying to sell you something because there is no level of faith you're going to get to that's going to cause you to not have problems anymore. Why? Because if, he, if that's true, Jesus lied. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. In this world, let, let me just say, in this world, are you in this world? then as long as you're here, there's going to be some trouble. But he said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So he said, if you want to walk in my peace, follow me. If you want to, if you want to experience my presence and my joy, follow me. You pursue me. You come. You be where I am. But if you don't, and many times, let's just get honest, we don't. I'm so glad we serve a Savior who pursues us. You see, he was serious about picking you out and picking me out. You say, well, I thought God opened up salvation to everyone. He did. He said, whosoever will may come. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. It's not because God has some exclusive club. It's just because a lot of people just don't show up. They just don't show up. They talk themselves out of it. They think it's too good to be true. Or somebody's convinced them it's just too hard, it's too difficult, you can never do it. So for one reason or another, even though they're called and they could come, they just don't come. Some people think they have it together too much that they don't really need it that bad. See, Jesus made this statement about the Pharisees. He said, it's the sick who need a physician. Those who are well don't need a physician. Jesus was, trust me, Jesus was not saying that there were some people on earth at that time that didn't need him. Everybody needed him. The problem is that you're not going to come to him until you know how bad you need him. And the Pharisees didn't realize how bad they needed him. They thought they could do it themselves. And therefore they did. And it wasn't good enough. But you see, the sinners, who Jesus was referring to at that moment... The tax collectors and the ones nobody else wanted anything to, the broken and the downtrodden, they understood right there, I can't, I've tried, I know I can't do this, so I need a doctor. And Jesus said, that's okay, I'm here and I'm the best physician there is. So all you got to do is come. Jesus has been pursuing us. Our Father's been pursuing us long before you were born. The scripture that was running through my mind is just one reference, but it, the lamb was slain, the Bible says. Not from the time that Jesus stepped into human form. God stepped into human flesh in Bethlehem. The Bible actually says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. It doesn't even say the lamb was slain from the creation of man. It says the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Now I want you to wrap your mind around this for just a minute. I'm about done, but I want you to wrap your mind around this for just a minute. Before God ever created Adam, the lamb was slain, figuratively speaking. 
What does that mean? That means that before God ever created man, put him in the garden with the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God already knew that man would choose against him. Listen to this. That means God already knew the cost of forgiveness and freedom. And God chose to create man anyway. I want to tell you, I never even got close to understanding that until I had kids. But for every parent in this room, you can have at least some little level of understanding. Because unless you're very naive... You don't have kids thinking everything's going to be easy after you have kids. If you've ever been around kids in your life, you understand that your life is getting ready to get extremely busy the minute you have a child. Everything changes the minute you have a child. You're even more naive if you think you're going to have a child and that child all of their life is going to every day of their life do every single thing you say and gladly do so and never, ever, ever, ever give you any trouble whatsoever. If you believe that, get ready. Life is getting ready to introduce you to reality. That's not reality. Tammy and I knew full well when we had kids that there was going to be sleepless nights. We knew full well when we had kids there were going to be doctor visits and days when you'd give anything in the world just to take whatever it was they had. I remember the hardest part is when they were babies and they couldn't tell you what was wrong. And I thought if they could just talk and tell me what was wrong. Then they started talking and said, boy, if we could just go back to where they... I don't say this disparagingly of either of my kids. I'm so proud of both of them that my buttons could pop. But I've walked through the days when they were not proud of me. When they were angry with me. When they wanted to go. They couldn't understand what I was saying and every parent has. But can I tell you something? I knew that moment could come before we ever had a child. And if I could go back and do it over again, and, they, and I know now all the good and all the bad and all the ups and all the downs, it's not just some type of theory. I've walked it and my wife and I have lived it. Can I tell you something? I'd do it all over again. Amen. Do you know why? Because I love them that much. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. See, it didn't cost me what it cost the father. It cost him everything to have you here. Listen. It cost him everything to have you breathing today. It cost him everything to have you here. Everything. But he chose you. He looked ahead because, see, he's, a, he's outside of time and space and he knows the end from the beginning. So he looked ahead and he saw every moment of rebellion in your life. He saw every mistake and every willful sin. He saw 
every silly thing you've ever said or done. He's seen it all. And He chose you. And He paid the price for you. That's what love does. And now every time you just kind of wander away, do you know what the Father does? He pursues you. No, 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 no. Come on back here. And it's sad because sometimes we think we know better than His ways and sometimes we don't even like the fact that He's pursuing us and sometimes we tell Him no. But He just keeps pursuing. Do you know what causes Him to do that? A love that we can't begin to fathom. He chose us. I've told this story before, but it fits. It keeps running through my mind. I don't know if kids even have recess anymore. I don't know. Schools change through the years. But back in my day, you lived for recess. And so two or three times a day, you'd have different amounts of time for recess. I never was good at sports at all. The only one I was even halfway decent at is basketball. If you'd leave me alone and not make me play defense and just throw me the ball from the outside, I used to have a decent outside shot. and Not anymore, but I used to. But anybody could play basketball at recess. Anybody could. But there was a process you went through. Everybody lined up along the chain link fence at the elementary school we were a part of, and you picked two captains. They were usually the best basketball players out there, usually, the all-stars. And then they'd start picking. They'd go down the line, of course, the best basketball players were picked first, and then the mediocre basketball players, and then you got left with just a few. They usually weren't very good, or nobody liked them. But if they really wanted to play, they could play. Because if they didn't let them play, they'd get in trouble. They just never would get the ball, that's all. I was real shy, so when we first moved to town, I was one of the last ones picked every single time. That's okay, because that was the only thing I could do at recess that I was going to even try. So I got in the line anyway. And I got picked, and I never got the ball. One day I hit an outside shot, and then I got picked a little higher in the rotation, but never got anywhere close to being first. Until one day, see, I had a friend who was a good basketball player, and he was my best friend. He was on all the all-star teams, and he was a team captain one day. And you know who he picked first? Me. I'll never forget that day. I, I, rem I remember how it felt today. Now, I want you to understand something. This is what I'm trying to get across. My basketball skills did not improve somehow. I didn't all of a sudden become the great all-star athlete. Matter of fact, nothing about me had changed at all. There was only one thing that changed that day. Somebody else was picking. And I had a friendship with him, and he picked me. Wasn't about what I brought to the table. Boy, we get this so wrong, Christians. It had nothing to do with what I brought to the court. He knew I wasn't going to be any better in that game than I he had played with me before. He knew I wasn't going to, I might hit an outside shot once in a while, and that was going to be all I ever did. He knew that. 
He didn't expect that to change because he picked me. He just chose me. Understand this, child of God. God didn't pick you because of what you bring to the court. He is not surprised when we mess up. He knows that we bring nothing to the table that he didn't already put in us anyway. He didn't pick you because of what you can do for him. He picked you because of relationship. He just loves you. He chose you. He can carry the weight of the game. All that meant when I got picked as one of the first. See, when I got picked as one of the first, it meant that one of the better basketball players went to another team. You know what that meant? That meant that my best friend was going to have to carry more of the offensive load in that ball. You understand what I'm saying? He was going to have to score more points. He was going to have to work harder because he picked me. And he knew that before he picked me. He just picked me. Do you know what I did that game? This is the part of the story I didn't tell. I was so impressed he picked me, I decided I was going to show him what a good decision it was. So, I mean, I tried to play defense like I ain't never played defense before. And if anybody's ever watched me try to play defense, that's not saying too much. But I tried real hard. I was trying to go after every loose ball, and I was in the way, and I was trying. I probably looked like a maniac out on the basketball court. And I tried to take every shot. If I got anywhere close to the ball, I was shooting because outside shooting was my one thing I could do. And you know what I was doing? I was actually costing the team. Because I got on there and thought I had to earn my place, so I was really messing things up and my friend had to come over to me my friend's gone on to be with the Lord now but he, he came over to me and he said hey Lynn just do what you always do I, I got it I got it and once he finally said that and I got it I understood then <laughs> that, was a, that was a nice game you know what I did I drifted out to the outside and just let him find me. And I took the shot that I knew I could take. Scored more points at the end of the day in that game than I've ever scored in a game before. Because I felt like that's all I had to do. He knew what I could do. And that's all he asked me to do. Because he had the rest. You see, God's the one who made you, and he's the one who formed you, and he's the one who designed you, and every gift and talent you really have, he gave it to you. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. He knows what you can do. He's not asking you to do something you can't do. And when we start trying to do all the things we can't do because we feel like we've got to earn his love, all we do is mess everything up. And if we could hear him, he'd come over and say, Hey, 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 I got this. You, you just do what you do. And if we'll ever learn to rest... In the fact that we're just chosen because we're loved. Then we can actually begin to produce some fruit in our life. Because I'm not trying to earn God's love. I already have it. So I'm just doing whatever little it may be that God's enabled me to do. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He pursues you when you run. He always has and he always will. That's the love of the Father. So what are you dealing with? What are you trying to fix? Why are you running around like a maniac trying to solve? That's getting you out of the rhythm of what you really are and what you really do. See, God already knew who you were and what you did. He gave you your talents anyway. 
He's got this thing. He'd just really rather you just walk with him, follow him, enjoy the relationship. And every once in a while, when the timing's just right, he's going to throw you the ball. And for goodness sakes, when he throws you the ball, shoot! I'm a Kentucky fan. One of the things that I love the most is when we, I don't know if it's going to happen this year or not, but, but one of the things I love the most is when we get ahead by 20, 30, 40 points and they put the walk-ons on. That's the guys who don't play a whole lot. They're not quite the top flight athletes that some of the other scholarship players are. But the one thing that drives me nuts is when we're up by so much, nothing's gonna, nobody's going to come back and get us and they get on the floor and somebody throws one of the good players, they keep one good player in there so that he can move the ball, and he throws them the ball. And everybody in the arena and me at home are saying, shoot! And it drives me nuts when they pass the ball. Because, you see, that's, that's the one thing they may think, well, I'm trying to do something. I want to show them that I can do. No, no, no. Guys, you're, ne you're not going to become a competitor for the top starting position. That's not going to happen so just shoot the ball. That's why you're in the game. You're not in the game because you're the one that's going to carry the team. God already knows you're not going to carry the team. Get it? He's got that. He's already won this thing, you know. So when he throws you the ball, shoot. It's that simple. We make it so complicated. He's pursued you because he loves you. He handpicked you. He knows who you are, good, bad, and otherwise, and he's got this thing. So just do what it is he gave you to do. Love him, pursue him. Don't get too far from him. And when he throws you the ball, when you get the opportunity, do what God made you for. Why don't you bow your heads with me today? Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to say thank you for your presence. You've been moving throughout this room all morning long. I thank you for your love for your people. I thank you, God, that you picked us out knowing everything there was to ever know about us, knowing every time we would fail you, knowing every, every time we would mess things up trying so hard, knowing the times that we wouldn't get it right, knowing the times that we would fall underneath the load of our own pride, our own fear, and yet you chose us. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world and you gave an open invitation saying whosoever will come on. But sometimes we just don't go get on the fence because we're afraid of what order we'll be picked in. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of even being in the game because we think it all depends on us and it doesn't. You already took care of that. It's about the friendship. It's about the relationship. It's about being in the game together and doing things together. Anything that's good, it's going to come from you anyway. We don't have that capacity apart from you. Lord, I know there are people in this room today that are still trying to earn your love and earn your favor. They may be trying to earn it with a lot of good things. God, we can't earn what you've already given. You gave your love free of charge. 
You chose us. You picked us. And you gave us an invitation to come and follow you. To always be where you are. Lord, we get so distracted. and We get so tied up with our own stuff. And we actually start sometimes thinking we can carry this ourselves. Forgetting that the only strength and wisdom we've ever had was because of how close we were to you. And we allow ourselves to be moved away from your presence by our own efforts. God, forgive us. But I thank you that you continue to pursue us. You never give up on us. And God, I pray today, that seems to be the message in this room. God, that we would not give up. We would not quit. No matter how lonely some may feel today. No matter how frustrated some may feel today. No matter how broken some may be today. God, I thank you they wouldn't quit. They wouldn't give up. Lord, you're pursuing them. I pray that they'd run to you now. Lord, I pray that they'd run to you now. God, I thank you that you're a father who cares. You could have been done with all of us. You could have been done with this whole thing a long time ago. You could have wiped your hands of it all and walked away. But you didn't. And you won't. You just continue to pursue and you continue to love and you continue to forgive. God, I pray for hope to begin to arise in some hearts that haven't felt it in a long time. God, I pray for peace to begin to take hold and drive out fear and discouragement. Father God, I pray that there be a security in the love of God that some haven't felt for a long time. God, I pray and I thank you that you're surrounding your people with your presence. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, receiving and knowing the love of Jesus is the first step to freedom. If you've come into the room today and you don't know Jesus, that's the most important thing. The invitation is open. All you got to do is come and get on the fence. I can't promise you what the game is going to look like when you get in, but I can promise you, you're going to be picked. And I can promise you that Jesus has this thing. And he's called you. But he won't force you. You have to choose. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you're not walking with him today, you've let things get in between you and God, you know it. You're part of the reason that you're so broken, that's why. And you recognize that. But Jesus is calling for you today, and you're ready to come home. If that's you, before we pray about anybody else, would you lift your hand? You've never given your heart to Jesus, or things aren't right today. You know it, and you want to make it right. Okay, anybody else? You know that's God speaking to you. Right here, right now, you're ready to come running home. Okay, secondly, I know I'm speaking to some people today. Holy Spirit's been reaching out to you all morning long. Both through the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through His people, through the worship, through the message. I almost didn't even preach the message because the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong in the room. But I felt like there was somebody who needed to hear that. Specifically the part about the whole basketball thing. I didn't even plan on saying that, but somebody specifically needed to hear that today. I don't know who you are, though. But I'm telling you, Holy Spirit's trying to reach out to you to tell you, hey, I got this thing. I chose you. I didn't call you to be on my team because of what you bring to the floor. 
I called you because I want you close to me. I can do the rest. I can do the rest. Pursue me. I'm pursuing you. You come after me. I'm never going to stop pursuing you. You come after me. I chose you because I love you. I chose you because I love you. Holy Spirit's really speaking to that to some hearts today. If that's you and you didn't receive ministry, you may have already received ministry and worship and you feel as whole as you felt in a long time. But if you know God's still speaking to you and you need healing, you need wholeness, God's reaching out to you today in every way that He can. I challenge you, say yes to Him. Would you lift your hand if that's you? I know I'm speaking to some people in the room this morning. I just don't know how many and I don't know who you are. All right? Anybody else, just put your hand up. You can put it right back down. I'm not wanting to make a spectacle of you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Anybody else, you, you, didn't, you may have already received ministry. You may be whole. But if not, I want to pray for you. Anybody else, you know God's speaking to you. Just put your hand up. You can put it right back down. We're going to pray. Okay, let's stand together. I don't do this very often because repeating words after somebody is not a magic formula. But if you can really, in your heart and mind, come into agreement with me and what I'm saying, if you can mean these words and own them, then something can transpire in your life today between you and God. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you will, to just, if you can, pray this prayer with me as I pray it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come running to you. I thank you that you have always pursued me, that you chose me, that you love me. I believe that. I receive your love. I thank you, God, that you have a plan for my life. It doesn't involve what I can bring. It involves what you can give me. I'm nothing without you. But you gave yourself to me. So I run to you. I receive your love, your wholeness, your peace, your joy, your wisdom, and your strength. Heal this brokenness. Replace God those areas in my life that I've cluttered up with pride, with selfishness, with fear. God, tear down my walls and I'll run to you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give him praise for that today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one thing I want to remind you of today is this, and then we're going to let you go. See, I believe God's done something in the room this morning. Okay? I'm not saying that because I feel goosebumps or any of that stuff. I'm just, I know he's done something in the room today. Now, when you walk out of the room, don't forget what he's done. Pursue him. Well, you said he pursued me. Well, he, he has and he will continue to. But you see, the other side is you can pursue him. That's what this thing is about is walking daily with him. Pursue him. Spend time with him. Run after him. Let his love day by day embrace you. 
We love you. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Nothing going on here tonight. Uh, Christmas play practice takes place immediately following the service today. Be blessed. Go in the grace of God.